Andy as she joins us. Thank you. All right. Well, while you're standing, or you can sit. Go ahead. You guys can sit. While you're not standing, while you're sitting. <laughs> Um, I just want to say thank you for having me. I was actually really excited to be with you guys this morning. And so, I know, I got to come out to Redcliffe. I wanted to come last time. I didn't get to. So now I know where it's at, right? Right. Okay. So um, I just want to say thank you to you guys, too, for being amazing. Do you love your campus pastors out here? I love these guys. And then who got to hear um, Pastor Carolina just drop the mic multiple times? At SWB, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go home and cry and write everything down and change my whole life. So um, I, am, I am just grateful for powerful men and women, and I'm grateful to be with you guys. So I'm going to um, pray and get straight into the word this morning. How does that sound? I think that sounds good. I think, I think I'll do it. All right. Well, Father, I just thank you. We just love gathering as your body, as your church. And I thank you that Sundays and the times where we come together corporately are places where we can be encouraged and equipped and activated to go out and be your followers, to be the ones that spread your good news wherever we go. So Father, this morning, I pray that people are encouraged, that they are filled with hope, that they will understand where you are and what you are doing, or just have a new glimpse of you and their circumstances and situation. Father, that we would be filled with your love, that we would understand how good and kind you are, whatever season we find ourselves in, that we would be equipped to walk out those doors and spread your love and be present in our world. And that is my prayer this morning. So have your way, Holy Spirit, lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, who loves waiting? Who loves being patient? Is that like your favorite thing? I'm not sure many of, some of you are probably like, that is, you have a gift of patience. I, you can pray for all of us. I'm going to have you pray at the end, okay? No, I, I, it's funny because living in New York, it's not necessarily known for being a city of patience, right? And I feel like everything that happens there, you're just trying to get to the next place quickly. And I know that that's not just in New York. This is the world that we live in today, that we're not very present anymore to each other, are we? We're either hoping to be somewhere else or doing something else for our dream to be coming true or that breakthrough to be happening. Or, or what happens is, is we're sitting across the table from our family and friends and we're looking like this. We're not present in life very much anymore. And my prayer is that after this, we would be reminded how powerful being present can be in our situations and our seasons that we're in. It's so funny, though. I feel like life is full of delays, is it not? <laughs> delays. And so we're looking out there, hoping that the not yet would be right now, even though we're living in the now, but not yet. And we want the not yet, even though we're here right now. Anyone else? Where you can get a little bit frustrated with right now because you're not living in the yet that you've been dreaming about or hoping for. It's like plane delays. I remember this one trip that we went on. You know, um, we went on this quick flight to go to a conference that was close to us. Good friends. They're like pastors of ours. We would call them our senior pastors down in Virginia Beach. It's a under an hour flight to get there and about an eight hour drive. And, you know, my husband and I were going down there early and my mom and dad who live in the same building as us said, hey, we'll drive the kids down because we went down there early for a couple of meetings to meet with the team there and the pastors there. And, and so we flew down and then there was a conference and mom and dad came a couple of days later, drove the kids down and took them eight hours, took us 45 minutes, you know. <laughs> um, we were winning. 
And then um, on the way home, mom and dad, we said good, our goodbyes. And they're like, okay, we'll see you back, um, we'll see you back at home because the car wasn't big enough to take all of us. So we get to the airport and, um, you know, we are just getting there. We check in. We're at our gate and you get the first delay notification on our phones. We get that first one and you're like, oh, 30 minutes, not a big deal. No, no problem. You get that first delay notification and, um, and then about 30 minutes later when you're getting close to boarding time, it gives you another 30 minute delay notification on our phone and then you're like, okay, that's fine, just two, not a big deal. Hey, mom, dad, how far are you guys? You know, just wondering if we're going to beat you. It's a competition. And, um, and so then, I, I kid you not, we got another one and another one and another one until we had eight delay notifications. We are sitting at the gate in a very small airport. Everything, all the food options are closing down. There is nothing to eat. There is nothing to do. And we're sitting there waiting for our plane to take off when my parents tell us that they're home. And we're like, well, good for you guys. <laughs> And what's so funny is my husband is like the systems and structure guy. And so when he just wants to work for the airlines in those moments, he's like, give me your computer. Let me figure this out. Let, I'm like, babe, like all we actually can do is wait. And how frustrating are those times when you're getting delay notification after delay notification after delay notification? And can't life feel like endless delay notifications in certain circumstances that we go through? It's almost like, you know, you make a doctor's appointment and you know when you make that doctor's appointment and you rearrange your whole life for that day, you make sure that you're going to get the kids dropped off or whatever that looks like or you're going to get time off at work, you're going to go during your lunch break so you can get to your doctor's appointment and get back on time for whatever you need to do. But you get to that doctor's appointment and you are on time and you sit down. I wish someone is, she's like, yes, back there, I like this. But you get there on time. You're, at, you're sitting there in the waiting room, and the people that get there after you start getting called, yeah. oh, we love that. <laughs> when they show up late, and they're getting called before you, and then they're the one that the doctor takes the extra amount of time with, <laughs> and then when you finally get in there, the doctor takes extra time with you as well, and you're like rocking back and forth because you really need to be back, or you need to be picking up your kids, or there's nobody, and you're just freaking out, and you're like, I was waiting in the waiting room. You called everybody else before me. I got here on time. I was doing the right thing, but you have messed up my whole schedule. <laughs> it's kind of how we feel with God sometimes, though, isn't it? He messes up our schedule. We're sitting there waiting. We feel like we're doing everything right, and we're wondering, God, why has the breakthrough not come yet? <laughs> How come I'm not seeing the things that I'm longing to see? Why isn't there healing in my marriage? Why hasn't my son or my daughter come home yet? Why haven't I got that breakthrough? Why do I still feel mentally and emotionally this way? Why haven't things transformed in my world yet? Why haven't I gotten that job? Why haven't I been promoted? Why am I still sitting here? Why have I not had that baby? Why, 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 why? And so what we're doing is we're looking out there and we're going, God, when will you do that for me out there? And we forget that life is passing us by right now. We don't like waiting rooms. We don't like delay notifications. We get frustrated in those seasons of life, yet God is moving in the midst of those moments. He is there all along. And if we could learn to be present and wide awake in our every season, our lives would change. And let me tell you, I am learning this every single day. Even this morning, as I was getting ready to be here with my daughter, and I was getting frustrated with a few things, and then I looked at her face. And I was like, oh, 
Okay, let me be present to you right now. I am so sorry that I got frustrated that you asked me a couple of questions. Like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Why can I not be present? But life does feel like a waiting room sometimes. Like we're waiting for something out there. And I just know that God is looking at us going, look at me, be present, put your phone down, be present to that person that you just walked past. Look at your child and how their face just went downcast because of the way that you spoke to them. Look at your husband, look at your wife, look at how they need you to see them right now. If we could just be present and live our life abundantly right where we are, everything would change. Everything would change. And I love reading about the patriarchs, the fathers of, I love reading about Abraham, how he was the father of nations. He was one of the patriarchs and he gives us great hope because he went through a lot and think about what he was doing. He understood the generational impact of him living present right now. And I think a lot of times we don't understand that there is generational impact for the way that we are living literally right now. And if we could understand that, once again, things would change. Abraham lived this surrendered, unselfish life. And yes, he messed things up in the middle of it. And he tried to do things his own way. Anybody else try to do things their own way sometimes? I got a better idea, God. Let me figure this out for you. You know? He's like, no, just a little delay notification because I know what I'm doing over here and over here. And even though you may not see things with your eyes while you're on this earth, please understand that what you are doing right now is setting up the generations to come for most amazing things. If we can live unselfish lives with our lives laid down, everything once again would change. And I am learning to do this, to be present, to live fully in my life right now where I'm at, not longing for something else, but loving what I have right now. You know, Hebrews 11, 9 through 16. I'm going to read there. Hebrews 11, 9 through 16. We're going to read about Abraham for a moment. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> we don't like doing that. It says, He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Delay notification. Turn this way. Hey, look up here. You're like, why, 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 why? Tell me why, 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 why? right? Yeah. Holy Spirit's just like, just do you trust me? Right. Do you trust me? This, this message is really, at its core, is about trust yeah. this morning, about trust in the moment and in the season that you are in. It says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. You guys, do we consider him faithful who has made the promise? Or do we only consider him faithful who has made the promise when things work out the way that we think that they should work out? It's so funny because I, I feel to tell you this, but even, even with my husband... You know, because of my past and the way that I walked through life, when I found Jesus and my husband stood before me, I was not looking for someone that looked like him. I was looking for something that looked like this. And I realized to this day, I could have missed this whole life with this man who is so amazing because I was literally looking for a football player. <laughs> He's not a football player. He could care less about any football whatsoever. But the more I got to know him, the more I went, you are everything that I have ever dreamed of or prayed for. You just came in a different package than I expected. But a lot of times we're like, excuse me, excuse me, here's my plan. And God's like, 
<laughs> but because Sarah considered him faithful who made the promise, they got there. Even with a few mishaps and there was an Ishmael in there as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We have a few Ishmaels in our lives, do we not? Let's be real. <sighs> Those Ishmael moments. And so from this one man, and as, <laughs> I love this, and he is good as dead. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. I think I get amazed every time I hear that because we have been grafted in and we are those stars in the sky and we are that sand on the seashore. Because of Jesus Christ, we have been grafted into that promise right there. Isn't that amazing? But he was not just thinking of himself only in those moments. He was thinking about the great generational promises of God. And where you are right now and what you are doing and the grace that God has on you right now and this season that you're in, can you begin to wait well and be present in the season that you're in? Because right now, change is happening. Right now is ripe for a miracle. Right now, God can do so many things. But see, we're looking for other opportunities. But if we could see the opportunity right in front of us, oh my gosh, what could happen? Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. See, Abraham was commended for this. He was commended for having faith and confidence in his God, even though he did not yet see the promise, even though he never saw the descendants. He never saw us, but you know, now he's peering over the windows of heaven going, Oh, it was bigger than me. It was bigger than that moment. It was bigger than me getting what I wanted and the time that I wanted it. God, oh God, that we would be present and that we would understand what God is doing because now is a gift. Now is a gift. And my prayer is that we would wake up to our now, that we would be more present in our now, that we would trust God in ways that we never have before in our now, in the big picture that we are all a part of. He cares about us so deeply individually, and he cares about, cares about the breathtaking picture and tapestry that he is putting together across the generations until he comes back for his bride. You know, my kids, it's so funny, because a lot of times we'll be out for the day and when we come home, we just, you know, food is an important thing to people. Who loves food? Who's usually thinking about the next meal and the next meal and the next meal? Like you're eating breakfast and you're getting excited about lunch, right? You're eating breakfast, you're like, what am I gonna have for lunch today? Does anyone else do that? Oh, um, yes, right? Food is just, I love the food, always. And so I pass that on to my children. And so, um, <laughs> They're constantly asking, what's for breakfast? What's for lunch? What's for dinner? What are we gonna have for snack? Can we eat some more now? They're standing in the cupboard. They're standing in the fridge all the time. And so, um, so anyway, well, you know, if we're out for the day, we'll come home and, um, and uh, I mean, we live in a neighborhood where like, you never have to cook. You just order food from everywhere and they deliver it to your door. So it's a very bad thing. I need, I've changed my budget a little bit. I order out a little too much now. Um, <laughs> But the thing is, is we'll get home and I'll say, hey, kids, um, daddy and I will work out dinner and we'll let you know what we'll have. It, it, and they're like, okay. Not five minutes later, they're knocking on the door going, are we going to eat? And I'm like, oh, okay. Do, what do we say five minutes ago? We're going to have dinner. You're working it out. <laughs> yep. Do you trust us? 
Yes. Do we have food in our cupboards? Uh-huh. So do you think we're going to eat? Yeah. Do you think you could leave us alone now? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, think about it. When, when God speaks to us and whispers to us a promise, he whispers to us. He says, you know what? I've got you covered. I'm going to take care of that. You're like, okay, but I just want to make sure of it. <sighs> How? When? Now? Tomorrow, right? Five minutes. Like, can we? God, 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 you know, the cover. You know what I mean? And it's really hard in the waiting, in that waiting game, in the, in the moments where, once again, we haven't seen the healing. It's like, well, God, when we don't see healing, what do we do right now? Look, we're in a process right now, and I, I spoke about this a little bit at SWB, but my mother-in-law, she has got an inoperable brain tumor. And I tell you what, this message was spoken to me in the middle of finding out that this is what was taking place in her life. They said she has six months to two years to live, and our lives radically changed. We moved them up the street from us so that we can walk over and be with them at any time. I tell you what, Christmas looked different this year than it has any other year because you start to realize, you're like, God, we are believing for a miracle, but if this is the last time we sit together around the table for Christmas, we're going to take in every moment. But why don't we live like that all the time? And this is what God is speaking to me and teaching me. I mean, I even just changed my flights because I was going to go away and I was going to write after this on the way home. And I'm like, no, I want to be present to my family. So I'm changing my tickets and I'm going home with them because I don't want to be alone in a hotel room. I want to be with my family, with them crawling all over me all the time. So here's what I want to do in the, in the time that we have left together. So I just want to go a few different, through, through a few different things of how we can wait well. Who wants to learn how to wait well? <laughs> I think we all need to be reminded of how to wait well in the process of living right now, but not yet. Because if you're taking notes, I, I just named this message the now, but not yet. Because <laughs> we live in the now, but not yet, all the time. <laughs> and we have to get good at it. You know, I, I don't know if the guys have this little picture. It's a little bit cheesy, but I want to show it to you. Um, do you guys have that little meme? Yeah, you do. So they'll put that up there for you. And I saw this, and I feel like this is kind of what we do in the waiting is God is saying, hey, can you give that to me? And we're like, absolutely not. This is the wrong plan, the wrong moment at the wrong time. And he's just got something beautiful for us, something bigger than we can imagine, and it looks different than what our plan looks like. And he's like, just trust me. And we're like, no. But, you know, we've got to get good at this because he has got things for us that maybe we won't understand until we look back in hindsight. How much of life is hindsight? You're like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. So how do we wait well? The first one is this. We wait unselfishly. This is the hard one. We wait unselfishly because when we are waiting for something to come to pass in our lives, we, it consumes a lot of your, your, your thought processes, doesn't it? When you are longing for a breakthrough or something to come through or a dream to come to pass, you're trying to figure out how to maneuver it, how to make it work. You're praying for it. You're doing it. And guess what? Jesus is like, hey, lay down your life. You're like, <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> right? He's like, lay down your life, lift up your eyes, and see who is around you. It says this in Matthew 16, 25 through 27. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it for what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul so I'll just stop there because the thing is is I find 
a lot of times what we do, and it's because it's the culture of this world, for us to gain things in our own strength. See, we have the kingdom culture in our hands and in our hearts, and we are to release the kingdom of heaven outside of us. But a lot of times we're being influenced by the worldly kingdom, are we not? And so we're trying to gain the whole world. We're trying to make things happen in our own way. And, and the way of Jesus is, no, lay down your way. Lay that down. Don't try to gain everything in your own strength. Lay it down, and you will be amazed at what I give to you. Just like that, you know, silly little picture. It's like, lay that down and you'll be amazed at what I can do. But see, we're trying to gain the whole world. But when we do that, we forfeit our soul. And we don't want to do that because it says, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So we have got to look, we've got to get good at laying down our lives. And I think that can be in the smallest of things. I think about that in my own life, being a mother who, who does pastor a church and who is writing and travels sometimes and does all of these things, it's like, what is the most important thing? It's my children. It's my husband. It's following Jesus. They are my greatest discipleship responsibility. And a lot of times, if I'm out there trying to gain something or gain the whole world, I am forfeiting not just my soul, but I am forgetting what truly matters. And I have got to, it's an everyday thing, be present. What decision do I need to do today? What thing do I need to pick up? What thing do I need to let down? You move and you ebb and you flow with what this looks like in your season, wherever you are at. But see, if we just get so goals-driven that we forget about the people that are present in our world, oh man, we miss the point. We miss the point. And the other thing that I've realized in this time and in this season that I'm particularly in myself is that, you know what, I really truly realized that he is my very great reward. Because even with Abraham, when he was giving Abraham all these promises, he's like, oh, you can't count the stars in the sky, and this is how great your descendants will be. But I, I am your very great reward. Sometimes we forget he's our very great reward on the way to getting what we want. But he truly is the prize. Because when we breathe our last, he is the one that we will be with for all of eternity. So let's not forget what truly matters in the now, but not yet. Amen? Amen. I love C.S. Lewis. I love him. And um, I love his writings, how deep and how rich they are. And the screw tape letters is an amazing picture of the spiritual realm. <laughs> but there is an interesting um, a statement that is said in here, and this is like the demonic speaking about us, like talking about us humans. And listen to what it says. This is a quote. It says, when he, God, talks of their losing themselves, he means only abandoning the clamor of self-will. Self -will. Once they have done that, he really gives them back all their personality and boasts, I'm afraid sincerely, that when they are wholly his, they will be more themselves than ever. When we are wholly his, we will be more ourselves than ever. And how interesting is that? We're trying to figure out who we are. What should we do? How do we get to what we want while we're waiting? And he's like, lay it down, and I'll show you who you are. I'll remind you who you are. Because when you let it all go is when you come in contact with who you really are. Because we are created in the image and the likeness of a loving God. Our creator wants to show us who we are as we connect with him. So the second one is this. Oh, the thing is, too, I want to say this before I go to the second one. Has anyone ever done like a fast for 21 days or even one day where you literally eat nothing? No? Okay. Yeah. So I know we're not supposed to tell anyone. Um, no. But 
When you fast, you realize how much you crave the things of this world more than you do God. Do you not? And I tell you what, if you need to deny yourself a little bit, just fast a meal. If you're like going, I cannot do a day. If you cannot do 21 days. My mother, I watch her. She does 21 day fasts all the time. Straight water. I'm like, mom, do you want some tea? She's like, no, just water. I'm like, whatever. Jesus follower. She's amazing. (laughs) But you watch how the things of this world have a hold on you when you try to let go of food. So um, anyways, number two, (laughs) side note. Gosh, and funny enough, I'm smelling food right now. What is that? Are they cooking out there? That's really funny. Okay, number two. Number two on how to wait well is to be present. Be present in the waiting rooms of life. Think about an actual waiting room. Took my mother-in-law to one of her chemotherapy treatments. And when you're present in a waiting room like that, you're not just there for yourself. You realize that everyone in there comes in with a story. Everyone in that waiting room needs someone to see them and love them and speak to them. And here's what we do. A lot of times when we're waiting for our thing to happen, when we're waiting for the now but not yet, we forget to be present in the waiting rooms, that there are other people with a story to tell that need you to see them, that need you to put your phone down. Because I need to put my phone down more often. We started game nights at home with my kids. I think my kids want every night to be game night. We've decided to turn off the TV, put our phones down, and play board games together. And it is the funnest thing ever. And we don't have phones at the table. They're not allowed to be there because we want to look at each other when our kids are like, can I play on electronics? I'm like, are your 30 minutes up for the day? Yes. Then no, you cannot. And also, we're at the table. So let's look at each other. Let's have conversation. What was your day about? It's like, guys, we cannot lose this art. And we are in a place right now, even in, in the world, but also in the Christian world, where if we don't put our stuff down and look at each other, we can lose the art of true communication. <gasps> We're in danger of this, and we need to wake up and be present in the waiting rooms of life. Because it's not just about our story. There are stories all around you. And people need And see, Jesus was so present. Do you love watching Jesus and reading and seeing how he loved and leads us in the way to be present? I love this passage, this story. It says in Matthew 9, 18 through, 20, um, through 26, While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Do you see that? He wasn't like, let's make an appointment and um, hopefully she's not dead in a couple of days because I don't have any time right now. He's like, yep, let's go. And not only did he go, he grabbed his disciples to activate them and show him and said, let's go. We're going to raise this girl from the dead. He's on his way. He is present. He hears this man's sorrow and he wants to do something about it. But on his way, he is present wherever he goes. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Now in other passages and other gospels, it talks about how the crowds pressed in on him. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of people around him that were going, oh my gosh, Jesus is on his way somewhere. Let's see what he's going to do. Let's follow him. And meanwhile, this woman hears about it who is unclean, who shouldn't be in the crowds, who literally should not be touching a rabbi because of the things he will have to go through to be made clean again. But instead, what does she do? She comes out, she touches the edge of his cloak, and she said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. That right there is everything. And I realize so much of my life is about that. Jesus turned and saw her. 
Who do I need to turn and see? Because I can get so busy. We can all get so busy. We can all just be going, going, going. I live in New York where literally the goal is not to make eye contact with people so that they won't stop you. When you're on the subway, and you know what? When you smile at someone in the subway, it is the most fun game to play. They're like... <laughs> like, you know, you know what I mean? But think about the moments, you guys, these simple things. It's so simple. Today and every day for the rest of this year, just go, I'm going to practice the art of being present. I'm going to be present. And watch what will take place. When Jesus saw her, he doesn't demean her. He places value on her. He calls her daughter, not unclean woman. And then he doesn't just do that. He's like, oh, I love you. You're, you're unclean. You're my daughter. You are made whole. And then he goes and he raises a little girl from the dead as well because he can, because he is present wherever he is. It doesn't mean you still can't get stuff done. It just means along the way, be present. Be present, be present. Like I said, my children need me to be present. My husband needs me to be present. The people that I'm talking to need me to be present. I am here with you right now. I want to be present with you. I don't want to be thinking about what's next, even though that food does smell really good out there. I don't. Do you know what I mean? We need to be present. I love that Jesus was never looking over the shoulder of the person he was talking to to see who was coming up next. And we do that. We all do that. We're like, yeah, yeah it's so good to meet you. What's the next conversation going to be? Or when can I get out of this? Or what? We got to be careful. Let's be present. C.S. Lewis, I'm going to quote him a few times. <laughs> In the screw tape letters, he said this as well. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. Think about that. The present is the point at which time touches eternity. See, I love that Jesus was eternity touching time. But see, we carry the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit within us. And when we are present, time touches eternity. Eternity and time touch each other when we look people in the eyes. So let's be present. The third one is this. The third one is this. And I think this is the last one I'll be able to get to. The third one is that we wait in purposeful solitude. We wait in purposeful solitude. See, a lot of times what we're doing is when we're looking for what's next and what we can get and trying to go on this path or career path or whatever that looks like, we forget that there is a God that we can breathe in in the morning and be in purposeful solitude. I know for me, I just wrote this, isolation is about self-protection from society, whereas solitude has a purpose. It's preparation for society. So when we are in purposeful solitude, and I don't have time to go through all the different scriptures, but you look at Jesus, and every time he went into solitude, there was purpose. When he fasted for 40 days, he came out in the power and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and he started his ministry. His fast had a purpose. When he would go to a mountaintop, a lot of times what would take place is either he needed to be personally refreshed and needed some time with the Father so that he could capture his heart, or he would come back down and they would change direction. He would show the disciples in which way to go. He would teach the disciples how to pray. He would go up to the mountain of transfiguration and bring the disciples and show them something new. There was always purpose in his solitude. But a lot of times we have lost the art once again of solitude. We are so busy doing, 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 doing that we forget to be present and the now but not yet means to be present with our God as well. Not just present with one another. Present with our God as well. And I woke up this morning and I remember sitting up. And this is one thing, I don't know, I just started doing this. And it was like, I just breathe in the goodness of God and I breathe out 
any anxiety. I breathe in. I literally just sit there in the morning and I breathe in his goodness and I breathe out any fear and I breathe and I'm just present to him right when I wake up in the morning and it changes everything. It changes everything. So let's be present. Let's be present to him. Present, present, present. Because I am, I would be what is considered, I call myself an extroverted introvert. Is there anybody else out there? Like, love, 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 the people. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done with the people. I gotta go. And I just love to have that time where I'm just in solitude. And I'm with my God so that I can be filled up once again to just love people well, be present to people, be present to my family. It matters. And I know that I can be a dragon in the morning when I um, don't get up early enough before my children are crawling on me. And um, it really changes everything. Okay. And the last thing is this, and I just want to say this, is that when we wait to wait well, we wait with faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And I, I just want to read part of this. For, for we know in part, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 13, um, 13. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Because even here on earth, we're living in the now, but not yet. You know, he hasn't come back for his bride. We don't have a new heaven and earth yet. We are in the tension. Jesus has come. He has not come back for his bride. We are saved. We are releasing the kingdom of heaven. We see things in part, the now but not yet. But when completeness comes, for what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. When I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, and we shall see face to face. Um, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now listen to this. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now get this. When we wait in our season here on earth, while we are waiting for what we are not yet receiving or see, even if it's generational big picture and we never see it with our own eyes, we wait with faith and hope because love is the end. Get this. Faith and hope we will have on this earth, but we don't need faith and hope in eternity because we are in the presence of love. So we wait with faith and hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. So can we get good at the waiting? Can we get good at being present? Let's get good at the waiting because in the waiting we find the goodness and the kindness of God. We find joy and peace in the present. We'll enjoy our season and not be longing for the next one and we'll find out what really matters. And I wanna to read to you this last quote by C.S. Lewis and then I'm gonna pray. It says this, the future is of all things, the least like eternity. It is the most temporal part of time for the past is frozen and no longer flows and the present is all lit up with eternal rays. Get that, the past is frozen and no longer flows and the present is all lit up with eternal rays. See, some of us, we're living in the past, but it's frozen. It no longer exists. But the present is all lit up with eternity, with purpose, with moments of connection. And so that's my prayer, that we would go to that place, that we would be present. And you know what I want to say to you right now? Father God is present. He is present to you. He is present to you in your season. He is present to you in your circumstance. He is present to you right where you are. I'm just gonna pray for a moment. Father, we just thank you that while we wait for things that we don't yet see, while we feel like we're in seasons where it's delay notification after delay notification after delay notification, that Father God, you are with us and that you are for us and you love us. So I ask God that while we're frustrated or maybe longing to be in a different season, that we would see 
that right now is all lit up with eternity and purpose and that you are here. May we learn to be present and in solitude with you in connection with you that God, we would lay down our lives and see the one and we would live well and flourish in the season that we're in. We just say thank you for being with us in Jesus' name, amen. I'm just gonna pray for those of you in this room or maybe you don't have a relationship with Father God, you don't have a relationship with the one who loves you so deeply that he sent his son Jesus to connect you back to his heart. See, the good news is, is that we are redeemed and we are restored. That when Jesus came, 